cross-train for a long period of time, make sure you don't lose. You're working with a PT who can work on your weak spots and keep the strength, keep the strength alive in your, in all the other muscles that are not getting hit by just cross-training. Thank you for joining us again. Today we have a really great episode. I'm going to interview my co-host Ali, who's going to share his experience training for the Berlin Marathon cross training because he had a stress fracture. And Ali was going for a sub three when he started his training and had a stress fracture. And he ended up after uh, doing most of his training on the elliptical, he ran a 315 in Berlin. So. It's really incredible, and cross-training is a very effective tool. Um, So, you know, we're sorry if you get injured, but this is an episode worth listening to because there's full of really, really wonderful tips on how to convert a training plan into a cross-training plan. But first, we must talk about coffee. What are we drinking today, Ali? We So when I went to London, listeners, regular listeners will remember, on my way back, I brought back a couple of bags of Nero. Cafe Nero coffee. I ground up the beans, and that's what we are having today. Yeah, I love Cafe Nero coffee. You're the coffee nerd that actually told me to go there. I just, I just trust your everything about you say about coffee. I'm like, yeah, oh, and so then I'm gonna go there. <laughs> I'm not usually big into chains, but Cafe Nero has really good coffee. That's again, I like to. Call- I always the coffee that I like is always rich. It's a rich coffee. The Cafe Nero in London was where I edited our pro turn recreational episode, or like get it ready, did some of the work while having Cafe Nero coffee, and now nice. we have it here. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Um, it is actually the first place where I ever had oat milk. I was I had actually gone straight to London after running the Boston Marathon, which I don't recommend doing that. I didn't think that went through. Anyway, I landed at Heathrow and I was so tired and I just got my bag and went straight to Cafe Nero and it was right outside of the international gate. And I asked for what at the time I was drinking almond milk and I asked for an almond milk latte and they said, we don't have that. We have oat milk. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll give that a try. And the first feeling that I had about it was it tasted kind of like a barn. <laughs> and it was With a bit like of, horses in it? Yeah, it was like kind of oaty, you know, like what horse. Yeah, exactly. So it was interesting. I was like, oh, I'll give this a try. And I actually really liked it. Okay, anyway. Cross training. Like you said, this today's episode is actually by popular demand in a way because over the last couple of weeks and even before that just for a while now um, people have been asking about cross training they have been asking me and they've asked you about cross training questions and I had a very uh, unique training cycle for the Berlin Marathon last year which involved a lot of cross training so I think um, we can talk about all of those details in this episode which will be really helpful hopefully uh to people who, you know, ever kind of have to go through an injury during a training cycle, even if it's not during a, during a training cycle. Okay, so let's start from the top. You had run the New York City half, 
you found out later that you had a stress fracture, but you were in for Berlin. So you started training thinking that you were going to be able to get through your injury before serious training needed to start. So that's where we began. That's correct. Yeah, and I got tell I found us. Out, yeah, I found out that I was in, in the Berlin Marathon whenever the lottery gets announced. I think it's November, December, maybe before, whatever it is. It was end of 2017. I was like, oh, I got the email that I'm in. So it kind of became a goal race for the year. And I put, which is maybe an interesting thing to think about setting goals. I put all eggs in that basket mentally. I said, okay, Berlin would be kind of my go to race for 2018. The way I thought about the plan was, okay, I'll train for NYC half, run NYC half, and then get ready for, uh, use that base to start ramping up in May, May of 2018 for Berlin. Okay. And you started getting some symptoms like in February, right? Correct. Mid-February. Okay. And at the time it was, you sort of thought it was like a muscular thing that it wasn't going to be that serious, right? Yeah, I went through kind of all the usual things where I gave it two days off, it got better. My symptoms were quite tricky. When I would run, the pain would totally disappear. And then later on, sitting around, it would kind of move around my lower calf area. So I wasn't sure what it was. And actually running, this is what made it really tricky. Running longer and faster made it feel really good. That's a tricky part. That's a tricky injury when it doesn't hurt when you're running. So we're going to eventually get into like the nuts and bolts of the actually had a cross train. We're just going through some of the leading up to it because it, there is a point in terms of knowing what your injury is and how serious it is and how that's going to affect what you decide to do about your training. So when did you actually go to the orthopedist? It was actually right after Boston. So I went to the orthopedist and then got written an MRI. And it was the MRI that it took a while for the MRI results to come back. I was running during that time. I got the MRI results and it was a tibial stress fracture. Yeah, that's disappointing news to get. I remember it was right before the uh, Brooklyn Half when you found out. Yeah, it was actually, I was on my way to pick up my bib for, and I had a few other friends who had sent me their uh, numbers to pick, pick up for them. So I was on my way when I found out. Okay. So when you found out that you had a stress fracture, what was the prognosis? Like how long did he tell you not to run for? Yeah, so the initial was six weeks of no running. I could cross-train as I wanted. Six weeks for totally zero running. I could cross-train plus... Um, and then come back in six weeks and let him know what's going on. Yeah, and that seems like totally normal because at that point, like Berlin is still far enough out that you have time to do those six weeks of cross-training and ostensibly come back and be ready to start training. Exactly. One of the things that was interesting about that is in my head, because I'd never had a stress fracture or a serious injury before, I thought, okay, six weeks puts me out, I think exactly 12 weeks from Berlin. I was like, oh, no problem. Just don't run for six weeks. <laughs> and then in my head, because I'd never had that experience, I was like, you just start training where you are. <laughs> you just go back to your training plan. I didn't think of like what kind of a gradual buildup that needs to happen to a stress fracture or come back. Yeah. I had no idea about that. But he was very adamant. He wrote me a prescription to go to a PT and work with a PT during during those six weeks. As your six weeks are going and you're meeting with the physical therapist and you're doing your cross training and you're doing the exercises to strengthen the muscles around your leg, what, what sort of, what are you thinking? Like that it's still possible. You're still in a good spot, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Even 
my goal was, so just to put that out there, my goal was to run a sub three at Berlin. Um, and I thought I was in shape for that. My NYC half, I didn't hit my goal, but I still got a two minute PR off of that. So I said, okay, I still have the base. And if I cross train for these six weeks, which I said, I'll do all of it on the elliptical, I can come back and continue training and still be in really have plenty of time um, to go for that, um, go for my goal. And so the elliptical became your cross training mode of choice. And when did you start cross training immediately? Immediately. Yeah. Like the day I found out it was a Wednesday when I found out I had the stress fracture. The next Thursday was a easy 45 minutes. And I went to the elliptical the very next day. Let's just talk about how you translated that first workout into an elliptical workout. Just time. Right. Um, before, before I get into that, I chose the elliptical and that's what I chose to do. So this, this episode is not a recommendation on like, you should do this or do that. The idea is that you, you have cross training options. Some things work better for somebody, you know, others not. So always consult your PT and your doctor, what you can, what you should do. So yeah, that was my choice. So my conversion was basically, I took the, the different runs I had, like I, I would take the pace and distance model and convert that to time and effort. So what does that mean if I have six mile easy run? So let's say my easy, my six mile easy run will take me about anywhere between 45 to 50 minutes. I'll just go on the elliptical for 50 minutes and keep the effort at that level. If I feel that it's feeling really easy on an effort scale of one to 10, it's feeling like a two, but usually on my easy runs, I'm feeling like a three or a four. I would just up the resistance or the cadence and just play around with that. Was it awkward the beginning was the start was really awkward didn't want to be there <laughs> didn't yeah. want to do it um i'd only used the elliptical like twice before that in my life so so it took some getting used to and then in my head the whole time i was like okay it's just just a few weeks it's right, not gonna be it's it not gonna be that long weeks. and they put you on the anti-gravity treadmill pretty quickly right um in about four weeks okay so then you, you're obviously checking in with your PT and showing progress and stuff. So then when did you start doing the walk run? So it was pretty gradual buildup. Uh, after I was done with six weeks, I still had symptoms. They were very light. They were getting milder, but they were still there. So six turned into eight. Just to give a bigger picture, six turned into eight, eight turned into 12, 12 turned into 15 eventually until I was totally off of the elliptical. But I think it was about six or seven weeks after the diagnosis that I did my first like run walk outside on the road, which was like two minutes of running, eight minutes of walking three times. So total 30 minutes. Did you find that it was difficult to monitor? I mean, because obviously there's a side of you that's hoping that it's going to get better, but then you have to see the reality of what's happening because your situation is so unique because you didn't go into your injury knowing it was going to be 15 weeks. It kept unfolding in a way that you didn't want it to. And maybe you would have done a different thing or chosen not to run it. You know, we'll, we'll never know. And that's kind of part of the path. But I guess my question to you is, how difficult was it for you to really be honest about what was going on? Like, did, obviously, you're a very smart, wise person, so you're able to see the bigger picture. But I remember how disappointed you were at certain times, knowing that it just the time was getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Right. It was it was quite that that part became you would think like as you get closer to your, to your time of being able to get off of cross training and start the training plan itself. Um, it would get easier, but it kept getting harder, actually, because it 
it kept getting extended because the symptoms weren't going away. If I'd known the 15 weeks timeline, there is a, I, in my head, in hindsight's 2020, but I think if I had known that beforehand, I probably would have dropped out of the race, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Which I would also say, sitting here in the future, which would have been really unfortunate because I think the experience I had taught me so much. Like it was, I would not change that for anything. I would never want to stress fracture again, but going through that taught me so much. It was, it was kind of a, it was really golden in, in many ways. Um, there was a time when it kept getting extended where I wrote this long text to my coach and I said, I really need an honest answer. Am I stupid to attempt this or even continue training? Like, is it worth it? And his answer was like, and long story short, it was like, yes, you should continue. You've put in a lot of work and what you're doing, the amount of time you're putting in, um, even as cross training, it will definitely pay off. Just go with it. That's really good to get that kind of feedback. Cause I'm sure I remember that point when you just kind of were about to throw your hands up in there. You were like, I don't know what to do. Can you walk us through, like, you know, you told us how you did the easy runs, but can you translate like a interval workout just so that people who might be in your situation can know how to do that from a technical perspective. Yeah. Before I do that, I just want to talk about the overall conversion. I think so one thing I did was and being being a math nerd, I really enjoyed the exercise of taking the entire training plan and converting it into into an elliptical training plan basically. So what I ended up doing is averaging my pace for a week let's say my average pace for the week was eight minutes per eight, eight minutes per mile and i'm about to do 60 mile week off of that average right so that is about seven to eight hours of running I, I think that's about it or like maybe six and a half to seven and a half hours of running so when i converted that to time on elliptical i made sure it was at least that much time on the elliptical maybe plus 30 more minutes right just for my own mental sanity even though i don't think it was necessary to add that 30 minutes but just for myself just a little extra so i would like take it up to like okay seven hours this week and then i'll go up to seven and a half and then i'll go up to eight hours next week then i'll have a cutback that's like the idea of that our heart doesn't know that your leg is injured it just knows that it's used to working that much time right so going back to your question, let's say in week 10 of the training I had, my, my training plan was 10 kilometer repeats, but uh, cruise intervals. So they were supposed to be done at marathon effort, 10 of them with very little recovery. So for me, what, how I converted that was 10 kilometer repeats became four, four minutes, 15 seconds on the elliptical. That was one rep at marathon effort, whatever that felt like to me. And then a 45 second easy recovery effort. So that was five minutes and do that 10 times. So about 50 minutes. Right. Workout. So you've, you got that four minute and 15 second based on how long it would take you to run that thousand. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At that for minute. people that aren't running that quickly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the total workout ended up being about an hour and 15 minute workout with a warm up and a cool down like an easy effort, 10 minutes on the elliptical. Everything was by time. You, even though I noted down the, my elliptical miles, the machine I used gave me how many elliptical miles I did. Mm-hmm. So another workout I had was kind of similar. So it was like 10 400 meter repeats at hard effort, uh, sub 5K to sub 5K effort, and then two miles. At, and once your legs are really tired doing that, two miles at marathon effort. So same exact principle, I would do 90 seconds really hard and take 60 seconds really easy, do that 10 times, 
then take a it was like a two minute recovery and then do 14 minutes at marathon effort on the elliptical to do that translation it's really quite simple like it, i remember thinking like wow this is i mean it is complicated i'm not saying it's easy to mm-hmm. do but it's simple to translate because you're doing hard effort wise but also time wise yeah. if my training plan said like run the 400s in one minute 33 seconds like 93 seconds i just rounded that to 90 mm-hmm. so i could and then if the recovery said 65 seconds, I rounded that to 60 so that it would become a nice round number so I can just keep an eye on the elliptical watch and just yeah. keep doing those reps very easily. I think that was really helpful. If I didn't do that, I would be too caught up into like math or like you trying to use a watch, which I didn't want to do. Yeah. It's very easy to lose your place on yeah. a machine. <laughs> and then finally, I think the biggest of all of this was were the long runs so every sunday i kind of built up starting at like an hour and 50 minutes on the elliptical build up all the way up to two hours and 40 minutes on the elliptical Uh, so my longest effort not two hours 40 close enough i my longest effort on the elliptical was two hours 38 minutes um which translated it was supposed to be a 20 miler which translated to 21 miles on the elliptical which was equally that is a long time to be on the elliptical yeah did you listen to music um yeah i listened to music i watched things that that was one thing like i never listen to music or anything while i'm running so on the elliptical i had combination of things i had documentaries queued up i saw the spirit of the marathon documentary i saw the breaking two documentary multiple times which actually got me through tempos and long runs very it's kind of inspiring to watch and uh, get through those um yeah so I played all sorts of tricks. One of one, one of one of the things I found interesting was, and actually my coach told me, hey, you can try like not holding the handlebars and see how that feels. It's like more like a running motion. And I tried doing that. And then that actually turned into a game for me. Initially, when I tried to do that, I could only do it for 30 seconds. And then it turned into a minute and turned into five minutes, 10 minutes. And then eventually I did like the longest time on the elliptical, the two hour, 38 minutes, about 90% was without holding the handlebars. And it was, I think it was effective enough where my Fitbit thought that I was running. It would log the automatic activity Mm -hmm. as a run instead of an elliptical, which I thought was interesting. I'd be so afraid of falling off. Um, So once I got really good at taking (laughs) that further, and I, I didn't do this for too long, but once I got really good at not holding the handlebars and just doing the elliptical... It made the legs work a little harder. Mm-hmm. I tried to do it with my eyes closed. I don't recommend that. I did that for 30 seconds. And when I opened my eyes, I thought I was going to fall off. So I didn't. I was like, okay, they, you know, we don't need to. We don't need to be psychos. Like, this is hard enough. Or Just, like get another stress rider. Yeah. Did you, you also did it backwards for times, right? Yeah. So to make exactly just playing games with myself, I would do on, especially on easy days. Like if it's 50, 60 minutes easy, I would do like. 20 minutes easy and then five minutes backwards then 20 minutes easy then five minutes like reverse it i just want to clarify you weren't standing on the machine backwards you were just doing the leg motion backwards yes correct (laughs) do not try that at home people (laughs) um so can you talk a little bit about once you got the green light to transition back into running like you know as you realized you can't just go straight back onto the roads you have to um weave it into your elliptical so can you talk to us a little bit about that what was that like it started with run-walk method. It was like one week of just two minutes of running three times, then four minutes, then six. I actually had a setback when I got to the very first four minutes. I had to go back to two minutes, and then that's what turned everything into 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just gradually built up from there. Two minutes, four minutes, six minutes, until built up to a 30-minute continuous run. But those were all 
prescribed yeah. runs yeah. from the PT themselves. So it wasn't until I could do like a 45 minute regular run when I started counting those as towards my training. And then eventually, after I think week 11, I started incorporating at first just long runs. Like I remember my very first long run was an eight miler, but we were very close to the race. I think mm-hmm. I had only like three more weeks to peak. Uh, did an eight miler, ran to the gym. Those eight miles ran to the gym and did uh, 90 minutes on the elliptical. So it was an eight mile run plus 90 minutes on the elliptical, which translated to like a close to a 18 miler or like a 20 miler. Right. It's about combining the two workouts. Exactly. And, and then that together. a week later, that turned into 15 miles on the road or like a week and a half later, turned to 15 miles on the road and then at 60 minutes on the elliptical. So elliptical time kept going down. And I think I remember it, it was in my peak week. It was during four days or five days before I was supposed to do my longest run when the PT said, okay, you don't have to be on the elliptical anymore. If you did not feel anything on your last 15 miles and then 60 minutes on the elliptical, you're, everything is good. Now you're safe to run on the road. And did you feel anything? Nope. I'd be so worried, like, did I or didn't I? Did I? Yeah, the very first run I did, which was a five-miler at Team Champs, mm-hmm. um, I was cleared to run that at kind of tempo effort to see what it is, and I was really nervous about whether I was going to feel something or not, but I didn't, so that was good. So how many actual road miles did you have for your Berlin training? 118. 118. Yeah, I had, and I had one, one speed work session, which was a two-by-two two mile on the track workout going straight into one of the hardest <laughs> That's great. I'd done I had done a, it, it came after my 21 miler mm-hmm. which was my longest just I just did one 20 21 mile run so it came after um, after that so it was just the final little speed tweak yeah uh, like to get some confidence it was more like a confident yeah confidence building workout than than actually getting too much because I was so close to the race anyway so so I want to uh, kind of shift gears a little bit in terms of, okay, so now you are off the elliptical, you've done your peak long run, you're good to go. How are you feeling in your, like mentally about running a race that was such a unusual and unexpected and not a lot of actual running training cycle? There was a lot of uncertainty on like how I should approach the race. What should be my... Um, what should be my pacing strategy, right? Like, where should I go out? And because the I'd only run one mar- road marathon before that, and I had a pretty successful, I thought about the racing uh, pacing strategy at that marathon, and I'd executed it exactly how I wanted, wanted it to go, and it went really well. In this one, I just wasn't sure, like, what to do. So really, really early on, I think right after my peak long run, and I wasn't feeling any symptoms and I knew I was going to run the race, I said, okay, the only thing that makes sense for me, which put me at really at ease, was to throw away the watch and don't worry about the pace. And maybe I'll just memorize a couple of times that will give me a gauge of like where I am. But otherwise, I'll just play it by effort and not take my Garmin with me, which is what I did. That actually really calmed the nerves. I was like, okay, so it, you know, it's interesting. It's a physical thing, but it took a lot of things out of the equation that possibly may have tied me to something that I wanted to do and maybe it wasn't realistic or hard to wrap my head around or be uncertain about, yeah. Yeah, so you left it in your hotel room. Mm-hmm. That's pretty brave. That's very cool, I like that. 
Because you had, obviously, to be able to do a training cycle like that, you were really honed into your effort. Yeah. And you've run a marathon before, so you know what it's like to get to 23, 24 when you're really tired. And right. that's what is, like, normal effort at that level. Right. Um, so can, can you talk a little bit about what it was like running the race? Yeah, I think, so I can jump ahead. I ran a 3.15, 3.15.11. Which is amazing. Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, the race, I can... Throwing away the watch was probably the best decision I could have done was because I could I really just went by effort and enjoyed Berlin is an amazing marathon. It was a great day. The weather was great. Um, it was sunny, I think 56 at the start. It was warm when we finished, I think like 60, 67 or something. but it was just it was just a beautiful day. So I got to enjoy most of the race really, really did enjoy it. Um, I was aiming for about around 310. But I on on my injured side, on the right side, I after thirty-five K I cramped up quite a bit just on the right side, so it slowed me down. I had two walk breaks during that. I had to stretch it out, like I just couldn't move. What was funny is that all of my symptoms were in my calf, but it was the hamstring that kind of locked the most on the same side. Mm. Um yeah, so I had I had a slower seven K which I was on pace. I'd looked at my all my 5K splits and up to right past 30K, I was still on pace. So after 35K, it slowed down a bit. But I was pretty happy, pretty happy in the moment. I did think about, you know, there's always that you obviously ha- still have a number in your mind. So there's that slight disappointment of like, mm-hmm. but looking back when I came back and looked at my log, I was like, there's nothing to complain about here. This is like an incredible, incredible race. Um, and I really got to enjoy it. <laughs> Some of the, you know, even though I had some pressure off of the number on myself, it's still um, running totally by feel kind of made it amazing. Yeah, that's it's really incredible. I mean, it's such a it's a perfect example of how we don't have to lose as much fitness as we think and that it's not the end. And you stuck with it. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, it might have been a different different scenario if you had known the full extent of your recovery before you got mm-hmm. into it. Um but you stuck with it and it's really impressive, you know, it's really impressive just as a, an experiment and also that you didn't lose an entire year of running. Right. And I remember the day that there was a very significant day when you came back to full running and we were at the track and I think we were there for about 35 or 40 minutes and we were doing like 7.30 pace and you were not breathing. You didn't sound like you were having any effort at all and I was so impressed I'm like wow that whatever you did worked yeah and it was a pretty hot summer I I was surprised myself you know you don't know what's going to happen when you're coming back so one one thing I really want to point out between this so I was doing a lot of so I I I have the number of elliptical miles tallied tallied up but not the hours which I I think I should do the number Mm -hmm. of hours but I had about I think 680 elliptical miles or something like that um, got 118 on the road. Um, so that's like so 80 percent of the training was on on the elliptical. So I wasn't sure, but so I wasn't sure when I was gonna come back, like how I was gonna feel. So I was really surprised, like oh wow, this this feels really good. like I'm I looks like I haven't lost too much fitness. Um, but there was a really other there was a really important component to just cross training. When you're cross training, you're obviously not pounding the pavement. So there are certain muscles that are getting weaker as you're just only cross-training. So my PT, you, 
you know, if anybody's doing that for like a really long period of time, if you're going to cross train for a long period of time, make sure you don't lose. You're working with a PT who can work on your weak spots and keep the strength, keep the strength alive in your, in all the other muscles that are not getting hit by just cross training. Yeah, that's um, really so good. So like, if I'm I'm looking at my log right now, the interval workout that I talked about, eight, ten by ninety seconds, and then that same day I did three sets of 20 squats with 40 pounds of dumbbells, pull-ups, you know, there's a whole bunch of other routine things that I did that worked on different parts of like monster walk with resistance band, um, all sorts of different things that worked the muscles that were strong enough so that when I actually do come back, I don't re-injure myself. Like I have, so one of the trickiest part is your, your heart's getting stronger, but your legs are only getting stronger in certain parts, whatever the elliptical's doing, or if you're swimming, whatever swimming's hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to make sure you're working on the on the strength on the side. That's really good advice. Sounds like a training tip. <laughs> Done with training trip. Podcast over. No, <laughs> uh, well, you know, we kind of joke in our little running group about how you're like the elliptical cross training coach, but it, it, there's something there. It's real. You know, I mean. Not only the discipline to do that, but also just the technical thought behind it is, you know, as I said, it's it's a simple translation, but it requires a lot of hard work and motivation. And you're by yourself, you know, you weren't at our group runs, you weren't getting that, the camaraderie of the workout. It's It was like a t- toiling by yourself on the elliptical. And honestly, I mean, I find the elliptical really hard, so... As you had mentioned, you know, you you want to talk to your doctor or physical therapist about which cross-training outlet you can use. Um, I tried the elliptical when I was going through my thing, and it made my ankle blow up, so I couldn't. I was kind mm-hmm. of relieved because I personally have a hard time on the elliptical. I feel like the whole episode has been a training tip, but do you have anything from, I mean, you gave us a lot of technical stuff. Do you have anything from, like, a motivational perspective of Yeah, what? don't. I don't know if this may be similar to what you said at Boston, but my it made me, d- during your Boston episode, um, but don't put the pressure of a number on yourself, especially if you're doing, if your training cycle involves a lot of cross-training. So if you're doing something like that, um, make sure, you know, you become familiar with an effort, but it adds more uncertainty to what could happen. So do not get attached to a number. Usually it's okay to say, okay, this was my goal. Either you increase that range of whatever your goal was, but don't get attached to a specific thing. I would actually back that off and enjoy the experience of like you, you know, when you do that, you learn something about effort in a very different way than you would when you're, um, I was trying to, I remember while, while doing the 400 repeats or like my 90 second repeats on the elliptical, after I did the second one, I had eight more to go. But when I finished the second one, I'm like, this is not hard enough. I'm not, I know what my second 400 should feel like. I feel a little bit more tired. This feels too easy. But on an elliptical, it could be tricky. Like, how do you work a kid? And so I just, I upped the resistance level by two points. And then all of a sudden, the third one brought me where I would feel in a, th- where I would feel in the third repeat, right? So you become really familiar with like what that effort is and you kind of push that. You can, I didn't use, I didn't have a heart rate monitor. You could use heart rate monitors to kind of gauge that, which could be a really effective way of doing it. I just went strictly by how much I'm sweating, how hard I'm breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that happens to me when I'm doing repeats, it's a really long training trip. 
uh, one of the things that happens to me when I'm doing repeats is if I'm doing, for example, six, 800 repeats, the fifth one, if I'm pushing myself just the right amount at the fifth one, there's a point where my brain goes, we can just stop now. <laughs> but then I have to kind of push through and then the sixth one's always easy. So yeah. I wanted to make sure that same thought occurred to me on the elliptical. Yeah. So I use that as a gauge from like, from my workouts themselves. So you can, you know, there are many, many games you can play, but um, the main thing is don't get attached to number. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a really good point about learning effort because when we're strictly running on the roads, we get really into our watches and what Strava says and all those things. And it can be easy to know what a number feels like, but what does the feel like feel like without the number? Yeah. And that's what you're going for. Thank you. This has been really helpful. And, you know, we never want anyone to be injured, but it happens. It's part of the game. So I'm glad that you're back and you're now training for the um, Brooklyn soon. Brooklyn Half Marathon, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you, Ali. Thank you very much. I hope this was helpful. See you See guys you next, next Friday. Week.